Welcome to Common Ground Church, Rwandabosh, a community based in Cape Town, South Africa, who believe that if Jesus is who he says he is, that changes everything. Our sermon podcast aims to unpack this reality, rooted in scripture and dependent on God's Spirit. Every now and again, we pause our series to hear from our pastors on what God is pressing on them in this current moment. Please continue listening for today's message. Uh, this morning, what I've just witnessed here is so many themes that are beautiful of what God is doing. I've just see, seen, for example, this, the theme of fatherhood and sonship that's been happening, the theme of restoration that's beautiful, the theme of gospel partnership, even as we see our friends from Uganda and Madagascar, and I'm so rich and full, and I've been asked to share about gospel partnership, but I feel like it is already modeled here in such a beautiful way. And so I'm here really to affirm what it is that God is already evidently doing amongst you. I've also experienced incredible hospitality from you. Um, the, my wife, I came earlier than her, and we had bridges, and so she, when she first came, she was with Kate, and she's got only wonderful things to say about how wonderful the connection you guys have had. And uh, when I joined her, we then connected with Ash and Nick. Are they here, perhaps? The evening, evening service guys. Okay, cool. And, um, and then we were with Rigby and Sue. And wasn't it a pleasure to just connect with these guys? Uh, Rigby said to us when we came, he says, I'm giving you only two rules. And I stood straight to hear the rules. And he says, rule number one, this is your home. You just take it easy and just enjoy and open fridges and said, you do absolutely what you want. And, and I hope you will not regret. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, rule number two, as we were getting ready to go out, he just said to us, guys, the rule is just have fun. And haven't we had fun? We've just been absolutely spoiled and blessed. And we've really seen beautiful gospel culture amongst you. And I really want to commend you for that. So I'm sharing with you on gospel partnership, partnering for gospel advance. And so we're going to really look at two points. Number one, it'll be a gospel partnership as we partner for the gospel. And then secondly, gospel Advance, and we'll take our text from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1 to verse uh, 14. It reads as follows Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, 
both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is the word of God. And may God bless the reading of his word. Just for the sake of context, um, this letter is written by Paul to the church that was in Philippi. You remember that he wrote it on his second missionary journey. In chapter 13, he's commissioned on the first missionary journey with Barnabas. And then they went to, to Cyprus. We actually went via Cyprus, where I believe you'll be going with rigs for gospel partnership and encouragement. And so after Cyprus, they went into South Galatia, planting churches, and on their way back, just strengthening those churches. That was the first missionary journey. And when they came back, they gave the report back to the church that was in Syrian Antioch and spoke about how God has opened the door of faith in South Galatia. And then after a few months and being refreshed, they decided, let's go back for the second missionary journey. And unfortunately, they ran into some difficulties in their second missionary journey. And they started arguments between Paul and Barnabas because there's a young man called John Mark who had joined them. And when persecution was starting, John Mark says, I'm getting out of here. So he ran off. And when they are about to go on the second missionary journey, um, Barnabas, his name is the son of exhortation. That's what it means. And uh, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so he says, I think we can still take John Mark with us on the second missionary journey. And Paul, being a lot more stoic and serious guy, he says, I'm not taking this coward. <laughs> he says, uh, and, and they had a heated argument, the Bible tells us. Isn't it beautiful that... God tells us all these things to tell us that we are okay. Even the great apostle Paul had disagreements, and, and that's fine. And God says, I want it on my inspired word to encourage you when you do hit some of those speed bumps yourself. And they had a heated argument, and then eventually Barnabas takes John Mark with him, and then Paul takes Silas, and then off they go not via Cyprus this time around, but up north into Tarsus, uh, Paul's home base. And they went into all the churches they had planted in their first missionary journey, strengthening those churches and seeking God's direction and leadership in their lives. 
But it seems like wherever they wanted to go, it seems like the Holy Spirit was saying no to them. They wanted to go more to the west, perhaps towards Colossae, Ephesus, and the Spirit of God says, don't go there. And so they concluded, God must be wanting us to go more north. And so they set their minds to go towards Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit says, don't go there. And the only other place that was left for them was to go northwest, and they landed up in a place called Troas, where they must have met Luke, the guy who wrote uh, the book of Acts, because from chapter 16 of the book of Acts, he begins to say, we, whereas before that time, he writes about Paul and Silas and all these guys doing whatever it is they're doing. And while they were sleeping and resting there, Paul had a vision from God where he saw a guy from Macedonia saying to him, come and help us. And they concluded, together as a team, concluded that God was calling them to go into Macedonia. And so they arose and then crossed the Aegean Sea. And so the first church in European soil was planted. There was gospel advance. They were breaking the frontiers, going to the coastlands as it is. With the, with the word of God. And it was as they went before uh, in, in Turkey, what we today call Turkey, in the first missionary journey, they were, uh, their strategy was to go into the synagogues and then preach the gospel there. But as they went and broke through into Europe, there were few Jewish people, and so there was no synagogue to go into. So they went to the riverside and there found a couple of women coming together to pray, and they shared the word of the Lord with them. And one of these women is named, and her name is Lydia. And, and she's named because she, she became a very significant character in the life of Paul and in his ministry. We are told that she was um, trading with purple fabric, which is very, very expensive. She must have been a proselyte into Judaism because she comes from Thyatira, and so this woman, God opened her heart, the Bible says, to listen and to give heed to what Paul was saying. And she must have been a very strong leader in personality because after she was changed by the gospel, she says to them, I want you, if you judge that I am faithful to the Lord Jesus, I want you guys to use my house as a home base for your ministry. She must have had a large house, and she invites them in, rich, powerful lady. And uh, Luke says, and she prevailed upon us. That's leadership. <laughs> powerful lady. And I'm slowing down to say this to encourage women amongst us, that you don't count your gifts as unimportant in the kingdom of God, even if it may be something that we don't look at as spiritual, such as business, God is able to redeem it and leverage it for gospel advance. And this lady's presence and ministry in, in, in this formative years, as it were, of Paul's breakthrough ministry became so defining of Paul's ministry, that this church in Philippi became the only church that partnered with Paul in giving and receiving. And we find that in, in Philippians chapter four, Paul says, this is the only church that partners with us 
in giving and receiving. It was because of the generous heart of Lydia. And from there, they supported him. He, he says in chapter four, you gave once and again. And they, they sponsored him as he went into Thessalonica and then into Athens and then down south, uh, even into, into Corinth. And, um, and not only that, they, they sponsored him when he was imprisoned. I think his imprisonment was in Rome. Not only did they send uh, refreshments to him there, they also sent Epaphroditus, who came from the church in Philippi, to minister to Paul and to bless him and to encourage him. What an example of what it is to partner meaningfully as we partner for the gospel. So we're now going to look at perhaps three or four points. Number one, just try and define partnership. What do we mean by partnership? Number two, we're going to look at the basis for gospel partnership. Then thirdly, we will look at advance as our family of churches that we partner with for gospel advance and what the, the values and pillars of ministry are. And then we'll go back to Paul and look at the results of partnership. The word partnership that is translated in English as partnership is koinonia in Greek. And it is the very heart and essence of relationship. So this teaches us that when we talk about gospel partnership, we are not in the first instance talking about activities that we do together. We do partner in activities. But first and foremost, we partner at the level of the heart. We connect heart to heart. We have fellowship one with another. And it is out of that bond of fellowship, koinonia, that God will do incredible things for us. You see in verse 3 of the text that we've read that Paul says that he remembers these guys in all of his prayers for them. That is, that is relationship that is taking place there. And then he says, I hold you in my heart. Before we, we partner um, in practical ways, we need to hold one another in our hearts. We need to build genuine relationships and connectivity and ask God to knit our hearts together as, he, as a fabric is put together into a beautiful mosaic. Verse 8, he says, You are my witnesses, how I yearn for you with the affections of Christ. That is what I want to commend to us, that we would open our hearts and let God knit our hearts together. But secondly, there is a sense of ownership. When we partner together, we own this thing together. He talks about the, uh, the partnership of the gospel. And, and to Paul, if, um, if, you, if your partnership and relationship is outside of Christ, he wants to have nothing to do with that. He says in the book of Galatians, he says, you guys, you've started well, you're great. You're saved by grace. You received the Holy Spirit by grace through faith. Are you now trying to become mature in the flesh? He says, that's another gospel. And he says, if anyone, or even myself, or an angel, was to preach to you any other gospel than the one that I've preached to you, let that person be anathema. Let them be accursed. Let them be separated. I want to have nothing to do. And so our partnership 
is a common ownership, not only a relationship, but a partnering of the gospel together, partnering of the grace of God. And then he speaks about in, uh, in, uh, in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. And so you begin to see that from relationship, we begin to do things together. We confirm the gospel, we defend the gospel. And when one of us is in prison, we support and we strengthen and we do wonderful and practical things together. But now we're going to the heart of this thing. And this is, if you forget anything else, I want you not to forget this one. What is the basis? In a sense, I've alluded to it, but what is the basis in the text for our partnership? And now I want you to pay attention to the prepositions that he uses in verse one. The order that he uses them is off, in, and from, but I will turn them around. Number one, look at that word in. He says he's writing um, him, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, are writing to the saints in Christ. That is the first and most important basis for our partnership is our common union with Jesus Christ through faith. That word in Christ speaks of the totality of our salvation, past, present, and future. Our, our justification, our sanctification, our future glorification. When Paul talks about glorification in the book of Romans, he speaks about it as if, as if it is past tense. He says, those whom God predestined and foreknew and so on. And he also says those people he will also glorify. They, they, so he speaks of glorification as if it has already happened, even though he knows that it is in the future. It is the incredible blessings of Almighty God to all of us, and he positions us in Jesus Christ our Lord. And then second preposition is servants of Christ. Alec Motia says, the in Christ of gracious salvation issues in the of Christ of responsive obedience. And he continues to say that a self-willed, idle, and lazy servant is a contradiction in terms. So first of all, God blesses us and positions us in Christ and gives us all this position that is wonderful with all the fullness of his blessings to us. And then he says to us, will you be my servant? We become of Christ. That's what Paul says again in the book of Galatians. He says, we risen this way, that because one died for us, therefore all of us have died and we live for him. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the second basis of our partnership, is the fact that we are servants of Christ. And in fact, the English word servant is much lighter than what, what is written here. This word that's translated servant is, should be bond slave. Know what's a bond slave? There is a slave and there's a next level slave, which is bond slave. A slave is somebody who's forced to do something. A bond slave is somebody 
who is being freed, who has got an opportunity to be freed, and he says, I should be freed, I have a right to be freed, but I choose willingly to become your slave forever. A willing slave, almost a contradiction in terms. And, and that is what Paul was, and he was joyful to become a slave of God, serving willingly, because he says, you are so great, and you've positioned me so high, and there is only love, there is absolutely no shadow of turning in you. I trust you with all of my life, and I'm willing to be your slave forever. And then you will ask me, where does the power to serve God as his slaves come from? And that's that preposition, from. It says, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where we, we get strength from. God doesn't ask us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. He says, I give the fountain of ability to you. That's, that's the grace of God. That's the empowerment that comes from God. That is the petrol in your tank that God superabounds towards you. And the, and, the, and the relationship between grace and peace is the relationship between root and fruit. The root is God's grace and the fruit of it is peace. And the peace of God is a very rich word, shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. It means the destruction of all of our enemies. It speaks of wholeness and completeness, not only in the outside, but also in the inside. And so let us look at advanced uh, family of churches that the church that I come from, Grace uh, Generation Church, is a part of and partners with you and with many churches around the world. What are our pillars and what are our values? Number one, we partner around similar doctrine and values. And this flows from the text that we have just read today, that without the gospel, we have no basis for good relationship and good partnering out there. Secondly, we partner around shared mission. And that shared mission is two things. That is to plant churches and to strengthen churches that we do plant, as we saw Paul doing, planting churches and coming back to strengthen and to bless those churches, set elderships in churches and so forth. Number three, we partner around genuine relationships. Paul says to these guys, he says in chapter four, verse one, he says, you are my brothers whom I long for and love, my joy, my crown. Beautiful, tender words that shows that his partnership is not just in activities, but it is at the heart level. They are his brothers. They are his sisters. He longs for them. He yearns for them. He loves them. And it is out of that connection at the heart level that God does unbelievable things in and through them. We also, one of our values is, um, or pillars rather, is recognized suitably gifted leadership. We see in this text that Paul says, it is Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. 
They are standing outside of the local church as translocal leaders. And he's writing not only to the saints in Philippi, but he's writing to the overseers and deacons. That word overseers and pastor or elder, the same thing. So he recognizes his own gifts and Timothy's gifts and the other guys that he's partnering with, Silas and others. He recognizes the gifts within the local church in the form of the overseers and the deacons. And um, he is strengthening that and he's praying for those guys and he's encouraging that all of them would advance the gospel. And so if we ask, what then are the, the results, particularly in Paul's life, what was, what was the results of partnership? And um, you will see as you read the book of Acts that all sorts of beautiful things happened because of this partnership. Alone, you, I think this church has got great capacity and it has done a lot and many wonderful and beautiful things. But it is together that we can do so much more because the world is waiting to see gospel-centered churches planted and strengthened. And if you look at Paul's life, you see that not only was the church in Philippi planted, very significant church, uh, it, it is called in chapter 16, verse 12, it's called a leading city. And he was strategic in going for this, to plant in the church in this leading city. And from there, he went to Thessalonica, which was the capital of Macedonia. And from there, he went to Athens, which was the cultural center. And then he also went to the economic buzz and hub of Corinth, which was a coastal uh, city from there. So a lot happened because of this gospel partnership that happened, first with this church and with other churches as well, but chiefly in this church. And so let us now talk briefly about gospel advance. We've been talking about gospel partnership. In verse 12, the second part, he says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I want to commend, to commend this, this, this guy's indomitable spirit to you. <laughs> if, if he wrote from Rome, then the things that he's talking about, that he's referring to when he says, what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel is things that would have discouraged many a people. For example, he was nearly killed in Jerusalem. Uh, he was jailed in Philippi immediately after planting the church. You remember the story? And how they were flogged and put in prison. And uh, God miraculously saved, miraculously saved even the jailer himself and his, and, his, um, and his family. He was chained. He was at sea, danger at sea, dangers in land, dangers from animals and beasts and so forth, in bodily pains miscarriage of justice that, that he suffered. And he says all of those things served to advance the gospel. This is a guy who's writing from prison. But he says even these chains, even as I sit here, it happens to advance the gospel. The gospel is advancing. Many people who were fearful before my imprisonment, have been emboldened because of these chains. 
and he is very, very strong even about these guys. He says to them, he prays that the God who has started a good work in them will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to conclude again and, and really affirm you and, and encourage you to continue to be a gospel-centered people. You modeled it so very well. Um, even currently, we are still continuing uh, in Grace Gen with a series on the book of, of James. And I was very, very happy to hear before we started that you guys have already started with it. So I said, um, I have good examples of great preachers to copy from. And, uh, but you, you are not, I didn't uh, acknowledge any of your great sermons. Uh, <laughs> I just stole it and, and used it <laughs> as if it was from, from myself. But continue in gospel-centeredness and just preaching and establishing this great gospel. Pursue missions. You see what God is doing in the great nation of Madagascar. It is because of this partnership. I was so blessed as you're speaking about 20 years uh, of great work. But on the back of that great work is a great friendship. And it is because of that connection and trust and love that God is doing all the beautiful things that we see him doing. And uh, I want to encourage you to continue to release your leaders to do that. Stay relationally connected. That is the basis of partnership. And I want, lastly, I want to encourage you to continue to release your leader. Sometimes it feels like you look at and you say, where is he going again? <laughs> we, we want this guy to bless us and so forth. But I want to lift your gaze. Look, the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. And I know you've been great in releasing your leaders, the best amongst you, and sow them out. And I want to encourage to continue to do so. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you've loved us so much, that you have given us a role in gospel partnership and gospel advance. Thank you that the basis for this is that we are in Christ. And as people who are in Christ, we are of Christ servants. And as your servants, we thank you that you give us much grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.